Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. John chapter 4, verse 10. This is part three of the bucket list series we've been doing in the month of July. If you miss any of these experiences from these messages, go to our podcast, The Faith Podcast, and you can subscribe for free and get all of our messages from free. If you can't do it on iTunes, you can also go to our website at FCCGA.com, download all the messages. We just want to be a blessing to you and get the word to you in as many ways possible. You can also download my notes for today's message on the Bible app. Just go to the live event section, click Faith Christian Center, the bucket list part three, and you'll be able to download those notes as well. So I'm going to do a brief review. John 4, verse 10. Jesus talking to the woman of Samaria. We already knew why she was there at noon. But Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus said, If you would know two things, the gift and the who. The gift is the living, flowing, rushing water given by Jesus The who is Jesus, the source of the living water. The woman says unto him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. You don't have a bucket. The well is deep. From whence have you this living water? Where did you get it from? He says, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well, and gave thereof himself and his children of his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him or shall become in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. We see here the word thirsty meant to suffer from thirst and that Jesus gives the water. Now, Jesus gives the water to all those who believe in him. But the thing is you can have water and still die of thirst. I can hold this water for the rest of my days and still die of thirst. It only benefits me if I drink it. How many believers are dying of thirst when the living water is already on the inside of them? So not only do they look like the world, they're withering and dying like the world because they're not accessing what God has already made available on the inside of them. So Jesus continues to minister to this woman. He told her that the water that he gives shall become, so that's a process, a well or a fountain of living water springing up or gushing out. Verse 28, the woman believes she leaves her water pot or her bucket and went away into the city and tells other people about this Jesus she just met. Now, verse 28 seems like a non-important scripture. It's okay, she left her bucket and went into the city. The reason why it's important for this message is she may have left her physical bucket, but she has now become a bucket of living water to share with her city. She is now a vessel in the hands of the master. She now contains living water because she believed, and she went to go share the living water she received. We talked about in the first week how to receive and increase the living water that you have. We talked about last week on becoming rivers and how it's important we come rivers together being a flood. We're taking a different direction today. So keep, let's go a little bit more review in John 7. Looking at how does what Jesus gives you progress to become a strength, become a spring of living water. How does what Jesus give you progress to become a spring of living water? John 7 verse 37. 
John 7, verse 37 says, in the last day, the great day of the feast, we looked at what type of feast that was on the first message. Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. You can underline it, highlight it, make a note for it on however you read your Bible. Let him come unto me and drink. So two things, come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. What is important about this? Notice that rivers, plural, of living water. So this goes from Jesus just giving you living water to becoming a well or a fountain on the inside of you, to you yourself are rivers of living water. This is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. This is something that happens continually as you walk with Jesus. If you believe what you have will increase, it will go, as I said, from the water Jesus gives, it will grow into a spring, and then it should increase until there are rivers of living water. It's in the continual coming to Jesus and walking with Jesus that he continually pours into you and you become a river of living water. It's in the continual coming to him and walking with him, he continually pours into you and you become a river of living water. The message version says it this way, on the final climactic day of the feast, Jesus took his stand. He cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Rivers of living water will brim and spill out of the depths of anyone who believes in me this way. Just as the scripture says, he said this in regard to the spirit whom those who believed in him were about to receive. Notice it said, who believes in me this way. Many believers believe in Jesus, but they believe in him in different ways. So it's possible to believe in Jesus and come to Jesus and still leave thirsty. But do you believe that Jesus can quench your thirst? Because if you don't believe that, your thirst will still remain. Go to Hebrews 11 verse 6. In what way do you believe in him in your everyday life? Not just what you believe when you come to church. Not just what you believe in your spiritual moments. We looked at that last week. But what is it for you on a practical, daily basis? Hebrews eleven six. Back to John in a minute. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Believe he is what? The answer to what you need. So if you are thirsty, if you are in need and you come to God, it's not time for a complaining session or a whining session or a woe is me session. You're coming to him believing he can handle the problem. Believing he can quench the thirst. Believing he can address the situation. That's why you're coming to him. Not just believe that he exists, but he is what you need. 
It says he's a rewarder or he answers those who diligently seek him. That word diligently means to require or to crave. The thing is, most of us do not require water. We should drink it, but most of us, we're not craving water. We might crave coffee, <laughs> Coca-Cola, Sprite, whatever it is your favorite drink. You don't crave water. You should, but most people don't crave water. But if you're put in a situation where it's hot enough, and you walk through a desert or two, you may like coffee, but you're not thinking about coffee at this point. You may like Coca-Cola Sprite, but you're not thinking of those things. You are thinking, I need some water because water is going to help me keep going. Because now you crave it, now you require it. So many times in our Christian walk, we don't crave it. We don't require it. All it is is a religious checklist. I prayed today, I read my word today, I listened to a message, I'm good, let me go throughout my day. Do you require the living water that comes from God? Do you crave his presence? Do you practice the presence to a point and say, I got to get something from Jesus today, not just on Sunday. A lot of people crave a word from God when they come to church on Sunday. But every single morning, do you wake up and say, I got to receive something from my heavenly father today? Or do you think you know enough, you're bad by yourself, that you can do it without his help? Diligently seek him. What does the song says? To rise early and seek him. The word there is to rise up early means to earnestly seek him. How bad do you want it? Because all those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. So to the capacity you are hungry, to the capacity you are thirsty is what you will get. God is not going to hold your spirit open and pour out water into you. You have to drink. You make the determination every single day how much you will receive when you come to him. Go to John 15. We've looked at the importance of becoming a river for the sake of others. We looked at how to drink of this river for ourselves. John 15. Because to be effective in outward ministry, we have to make sure that we're okay on the inside. There's a song that I like. There's a phrase in this song that I listen to on a regular basis, at least like probably a couple times a week. And it's said in the song, we can't always pretend like we're always okay. We can't settle for fast food grace. To a lot of people, it's like, well, I'm going to say I'm in faith, so I'm going to pretend like I'm good. That's not faith. That's just pretending. That's not faith. That's just a mask. So you know the catchphrases. You know how to say hallelujah just right. You know how to say blessed and highly favored just right. You know everything to do so no one knows you're going through something. But the thing is, it doesn't just stop in your relationships with people. You put on that same front when you come to Jesus. So you go to pray, say, like, oh, yep, I'm praying for these things. But you're not honest enough, says, God, I need a touch from you today. I need to be filled back up today. I'm coming to you. I need 
what you have to offer today. I need your presence. Not just want it, I need it. I require it. I crave it. I got to have it. Because to the extent you do it is to the extent you'll receive. John 15, verse 1. We've been in and out of John 15 for like two and a half months now. John 15, verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. He's the farmer, he's the gardener. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, or he cleans it, or he prunes it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean, or purged, or pruned through the word which I've spoken unto you. God prunes the believer through his word. God teaches the believer through his word. He corrects the believer through his word. He does not have to use the tactics of the enemy to teach his own children. You do not adopt the tactics of ISIS so your kids will learn something. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you accept you abide in me. The Amplified Classic says, remain in vital union with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. We already said in verse 6 in the previous weeks and months, God is not cutting people off. People cut themselves off from God. And are you in your everyday life cutting yourself off from your source? Cutting yourself off from receiving from God in the way that you should. So we looked at two important words already. Come and abide. See, it's not just the coming to Jesus that gets your thirst quenched. It's also the walking with him. It's the abiding, that word means the staying, the continuing, the remaining, the dwelling with him. How many of you have dogs? Okay, I got dogs. And so the thing is, one of the things you're supposed to teach the dog when they're a puppy is how to sit and how to stay. So no matter if you turn around and walk away, they're supposed to stay. And we think, oh, the dog is so smart. It can sit and stay. How many believers need to learn that lesson? <laughs> sit, Christian. Stay, Christian. Stay right there. It's like, I forgot who said it. might have been Jerry Savelle says, you know, a lot of believers, they're not charismatic, they're cruisomatic. <laughs> they can't stay nowhere. And Jesus says, abide, stay connected. If this is the house and you're supposed to stay in the house, you stay in the house. And Jesus says, abide, stay, dwell, make yourself at home in me, and we do everything but. But the thing is how, one of the things we'll answer today is how do we practically abide in him in our everyday life? Because it would be great if every day, you could stay home, pray as long as you need to pray, spend time in the presence of God, and there's no other demands. But for the majority of us, that is not reality. That is a fantasy. That is an entertaining TV show. We have to leave our house at some point. So how do we abide? How do we stay? How do we continue? How do we remain dwelling with him? 
Because it's important to know this answer. Because when you come and abide, you're not only receiving living water, you're placing yourself in the hands of Jesus. When you come and abide, you're placing yourself in the hands of Jesus. Go to Isaiah 64, verse 8. If you're new to faith, we believe in the book. So you come hang around with us, you hear the book a lot. Because we don't believe you should take the word of a preacher just because they're a preacher. Or apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, whatever they call themselves. If they can't prove it to you from the book, you're under no obligation to receive it. And on that note, don't let them just pull out a scripture. Out of the mouth of every two or three witnesses, let everything be established. Because you can twist a scripture and make it say anything. You got to read it in context. Because if not, they'll take the text out and you get the con. But the thing is, so many people are con because they don't read the Bible for themselves and want everyone to do the studying for them. That's why you got to get in the Word. That's why you have to know the word. Isaiah 64, verse 8. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are a potter. We are the work of your hand. When you come and abide, you're not only receiving living water, you are allowing God to mold you to the vessel or bucket he needs you to be. Jeremiah uses the example. Romans uses the example. Timothy uses the example. Imagine a potter's wheel from back in the day. It starts with a lump of clay, and they begin to spin it, and they mold it to exactly what it needs to be. When you come and abide, you are placing yourself on the potter's wheel, and you're allowing God to mold you into the vessel or to the bucket he needs you to be. But too many times, because we don't want to abide, we hop off the potter's wheel. And we wonder why things are leaking out or not working, is because you jumped off the wheel. Some say, stay on the wheel. Look at your neighbor, say, hey, buckethead. Stay on the wheel. <laughs> to come and abide means to stay on the potter's wheel. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 19. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal. The Lord knows them that are his. And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels or buckets of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor, some for noble use and some for just everyday use use. Now, this is not talking about believers and unbelievers. This is the house of God. So he's talking about in the house of God, there's many different types of buckets, 
some for more noble uses, and some for just everyday common uses. Now, a lot of people say, well, whatever God calls me to do, that's what I'm going to do. That's great to say, but that's not what he's talking about here. If a man therefore purge himself from these, the iniquity and the things he listed before, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. That word meet means easy to make use of, useful, fit. So it's not just what type of bucket are you. The type of bucket that you are determines how useful you are to Jesus. The type of bucket that you are determines how useful you are to Jesus. And prepared unto every good work. Remember the beginning of verse 21 says, if a man therefore purge himself. That means you have a responsibility to purge yourself from these by spending time in the word. Hearing the word. Doing the word. And coming and abiding with Jesus. So can God use you? How far can he use you? Are you fit for God's use? God loves you. He's called you, but can he use you? To what extent can he use you and to what purpose? This is determined by what type of vessel you are. Acts 9.15, God called Paul a chosen vessel. You are a chosen vessel as well, but will you let God use you? Go to 1 Thessalonians 4. Look at your neighbor and say, stay on the wheel. Look at your other neighbor and say, what type of bucket are you? First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received us, how you ought to walk, how you ought to live, and to please God, so you would abound more and more. So you've learned what to do, how you're supposed to live. Start there and get better at it. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, and they're all summed up in the commandment of love. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you love your neighbor as you love yourself. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. That word means sexual immorality of all kinds. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel and sanctification and in honor. Remember, you're trying to be a bucket of gold and silver fit for God's use in every situation. Now, there are believers who lower their standards because they're not trying to be the gold and the silver. So you let anybody touch you, anybody hand you, anybody do anything to you because you don't know your value. Just because it's 2017 doesn't mean your value has changed. You know you've changed your value if you lower your standards. He's like, well, I haven't been, I'm not married yet, so maybe if I give it out a little bit, maybe I can catch somebody. Oh, you'll catch something. <laughs> you may not catch somebody, but you will catch something. 
You have to know how to possess, how to control yourself. Instead of saying, oh, so-and-so made me do it. Stop saying, oh, blame on the alcohol. Stop drinking and then you can't blame it. <laughs> if you're going to be a vessel that God can use in any situation, you have to know how to control yourself. It's more than an act of self-control. Possessing your vessel and staying on the will is also an act of your love for Jesus. You mean the Bible would tell me to deny myself and deny what I want to do? Yes, all through the book. Don't let the world teach you what the book says. God is still God. And one of the things about that makes him God, he knows the future before it happens. So he knew what people would think in 2017, and he still wrote the book anyways, 1,000 years ago. And the thing is, what people are pushing today is not new. They did this in Rome. They did this in Greece. They did it in Egypt. But the Bible is still true. And so if you want to live the way God wants you to live, you got to control yourself. Don't do it as say, well, I'm controlling myself so I can look better than so-and-so. No, control yourself because you love Jesus. And let the act of self-control be your honor to Jesus. Possessing your vessel and staying on the will are byproducts of a lifestyle of coming to Jesus and abiding. Go back to John 15. Let's look at verse 9. Let's look at another way to possess your vessel or to stay on the wheel. John 15, verse 9 this time. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. One of the things of staying on the wheel is staying in love. Continuing to walk in love even when it's uncomfortable. Even when it's annoying. There's no power in your pettiness. You deciding to be petty is you deciding, I don't want the power of God, which is the power of love, to fix my situation. You getting revenge is not going to fix it. God said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. My brothers and I have a joke that says, well, we know God says that, but God, we want to be your agent today. Can you use us to get revenge on so-and-so? Let God be God, you be you. Look at your neighbor and say, stay on the wheel. See, growing up in faith, I remember Dad Hagen making up spiritual songs. And if around Bishop, any type of song, Bishop would make up spiritual songs. And so I made up one for this one. I think I sang it on Wednesday night before. You guys want to hear it? Yeah. Sure? I won't sing if you guys want to hear it. You guys want to hear it? Yeah. Stay on the wheel. Don't be petty. Stay on the wheel. Don't you cuss them out. Stay on the wheel. Because whatever keeps you on the wheel, <laughs> that's what you need to do. Because if I stay on the wheel, God can keep working on me. That I know I haven't arrived yet, that's why I'm keeping myself parked on the wheel. That I know I'm not perfect, he's still working on me. 
Now, don't disqualify yourself by hopping off the wheel because you've made a mistake. There are people in here today, you jumped off the wheel because you think God can't use you anymore because of many different options. You think, well, I messed up here. I didn't possess my vessel. Yes, I was in sexual immorality. Yes, I did this. Yes, I blew up my business. Yes, I blew up my marriage. I did all these things. God can't use me anymore. But I'm here to tell you by the Holy Ghost, get back on the wheel. He ain't through with you yet. If there's breath in your body, there's time for God to use you and get you to the place you need to be. The mercy of God is abundant for you today. It's like a GPS. If you're driving down the street and you turn the wrong direction, your GPS on says, now turn this direction. It's going to keep correcting till you get where you're supposed to be. It's the same thing with the mercy of God. If you make a decision to get back on the wheel today, the mercy of God will get you exactly where you need to be. But you have to come and abide. Two words I want to echo in your head and your heart this week. Come and abide. Come and abide. Come and abide. What is coming and abiding? It's not just praying in the morning and reading and listening to the word in the mornings. It's turning to him throughout the day. It's inquiring of him. It's acknowledging him. It's expecting him to direct your path. So when things happen, you turn to him. Doesn't mean you run to a closet to pray, but you know he lives on the inside of you. So you turn your focus to him, sir. What should I do about this situation? How should I handle what I just saw, what I just witnessed, what just happened? What is your wisdom on it, sir? You have to abide. Because if you're stressing, you're not abiding. If you're worrying, you're not abiding. If you're afraid, you are not abiding. If you're biting your fingernails, not knowing what to do, you are not abiding. These things happen to everybody. But when this arises, you have to turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Then the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Act out that song. Look to your heart. Calm your emotions. Jesus, sir, how should I handle this? Because if you keep your mind on Jesus, you keep your mind stayed on him, you keep turning to him when things happen, when you keep doing this for weeks on end, it becomes your habit, and then you will be abiding. One of the things I'm thinking about doing on my phone is to set reminders throughout the day. Are you abiding? Are you abiding? Are you stressed or are you abiding? You may need to do that too. A checkup. Are you abiding? See, because in a message like this, you hear it very loudly from me, come and abide, come and abide, come and abide. It sounds a little bit like this. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus just now. Come to Jesus, come to Jesus just now. See, it's louder because you're in here and the message is focused on it. And I think it's why I thought that as a salvation song, it is. 
But if you come to Jesus, he can save you, deliver you, preserve you from whatever you're facing that day. He's not just your savior from sin and hell. He's your savior every single day. But outside of the house of God, when the message is not going on, it's quieter. It's a quieter pull from the spirit of God. But he's telling you this every day in every situation. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come but we're not listening. Jesus, not Something else has a focus. But the Holy Ghost is saying, come to Jesus. Turn to me. Sing it again. The Holy Spirit is doing this all day long. Sing it again, Minister David. He's like, come to me. Turn to Jesus. Turn your attention on me. Turn your focus on me. He's trying to get your attention. But everything else has your attention. But if you would stop and turn and listen to the whisper. The pleading of the Spirit of God. Doesn't matter how stressed you are, come to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Focus on him. It doesn't always take that long. You could be driving, you think of something that stresses you out. Come to Jesus. It won't take long. Your focus will be right again. And then you can keep going. Go to Hebrews 4, 16. Look at some of these benefits of coming and abiding. Hebrews 4.16. Hebrews 4.16. Actually, we'll go back to verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, our weaknesses, our limitations, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. What is that saying? Jesus gets it. He's been through it. He gets it. There's nothing you can run into, no temptation, no trial, no problem you can run into that didn't come at Jesus and he didn't beat it. So you don't just pray and think no one knows what you're going through. Jesus does. So because of that, let us therefore, because of that, come boldly or come with confidence unto the throne of grace. Not just when you wake up to pray, but any time you have to turn your eyes on Jesus. Do it with confidence. Do it with boldness. Why? What is the benefit? That you may obtain mercy. What is that? Kindness, goodwill. And grace to help in the time of need. There's 19 different definitions to grace in the New Testament alone. They sum up whatever you may need in that situation. When you turn to Jesus, there's grace available that helps you in any situation you find yourself in. When you turn to Jesus, like the definition that Brother Copeland uses for grace, it's God's overwhelming desire to treat you like sin never happened. So it doesn't matter if you messed up, that's why this, you're in the situation you're in. Or someone else messed up, or it's just a hard problem you can't figure out. When you turn, there will be grace to help you in whatever area you need. Go to Luke 6, 46. Luke 6, 46. Luke 6, 46. 
Notice what Jesus says here. And why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them. So notice three things. You have to come to Jesus. You have to hear. You got to do it. I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that hears and does not, this is not an unbeliever, this is a person who came to hear the word, and does not, it is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. One of the benefits about coming and abiding and obedience is that you build a life that's stable and secure, no matter what storm hits your house. Because if you don't build a house on coming to Jesus, hearing what he has to say and doing it, your house, your life is not secure. And the right storm will take it down and your ruin will be great. So it's the daily practice of coming to him, of hearing from him and obeying that builds a secure life for you. It has to be your daily habit. It has to be your all-the-time habit. If something happens, look to Jesus. Acknowledge him. Let him direct your path as he promised to do in Proverbs 3. Go to Matthew 11 and we'll end here. As I said last week, God's going to call you on times when you don't look the part. But I'm telling you this week, you're going to have plenty of opportunity to stress, to be worried, to be afraid, to be concerned about this or that. But at the same time, the Spirit of God will be tugging you saying, come to Jesus. You have to come to him and cast every care because he cares for you you. Don't carry the care. Don't carry the worry. Don't carry the anxiety. You weren't meant to carry it. You have to take it and give it to Jesus. Matthew 11, verse 28, some more of the benefits of coming and abiding. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. That word labor means to grow weary, tired, exhausted with toil or burdens or grief. Heavy laden, overburdened. It says, and I will give you rest. It means to cause or permit one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover and collect his strength, to give rest, refresh, to give oneself rest. It reminds me of the disciples right before Jesus called them. They had toiled all night. They worked hard all night with nothing to show of their, for their efforts. They came in the morning, was clean off their nets. Peter told Jesus, we toiled all night. But he said, cast your nets for a catch. They halfway obeyed. But an abundance came into the boat. So Jesus fell at his knees. He couldn't fall at his feet because there's too many fish in the boat. What happened? They toiled and got nothing. They turned to Jesus and got everything. 
Now the work they did in casting the nets and pulling in did not compare to the all-night labor that caused them to be weary. Because notice Jesus said, come and follow me after that, right? Now the thing is, if you worked all night, you are exhausted, ready to go home. But something happened when they turned to follow Jesus. They received rest. It happened again in the book of John after Jesus raised from the dead. Peter didn't think he's good enough anymore because he denied Jesus. He hopped off the wheel because he thought he messed up too much. And so they go fishing all night. They catch nothing. They see Jesus. They didn't realize it was him yet on the shore. And said, sirs, have you caught anything? They said, no. He said, come and die. Come to me. I got more than enough for you. He told them where to catch. And they caught it, and John said, Peter, it's the Lord. By the time they got to the, the shore to take their catch, Jesus already had food cooked and prepared for them. See, when you come to Jesus, there is provision at his table. He's inviting you to take a seat at his table. Psalm 23, he is your shepherd, you shall not lack. He makes a table before you in the presence of your enemies. The only reason you could sit down at the table and the presence of your enemies is if you believe your host is stronger than the enemies. He laid out a feast so you can enjoy. So many people are here, you are toiling, you are struggling, you're trying to get something just to make it day by day, and the Holy Ghost is saying today, come to Jesus, sit down and rest, get my instructions, get my wisdom so you don't have to toil no more. You can work under the blessing and get more than if you toiled. Come to me, all ye that labor that are tired. It's not that you're lazy, you've worked so hard and now you are tired, exhausted, worn out, don't know how you're gonna make it to tomorrow and the Holy Ghost says, come to Jesus. Notice what it says in the rest of this passage. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. What is your soul? It is your mind, your will, and the very seat of your emotions. You could have been going through things and it left your soul scarred and messed up. But Psalm 23 says, he shall restore your souls. And all says here now, he will give your soul rest. He'll give you rest and refreshment for your emotions, rest and refreshment for your mind, rest and refreshment for your will. So now you can determine where to go. If you come to him, he will give you rest. And remember, it's not just when you come to church on Sunday or on Wednesday. It's not just in the morning when you start your day. But it's every time you turn to Jesus, you will run into mercy. You'll run into grace. You'll run into how to be a secure and have a stable life. You'll also run into rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I like how the message version says, are you tired, worn out? Burned out on religion. Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. 
I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. But you have to come to Jesus. You have to turn to Jesus. Stand to your feet. Minister Dathan and I need to be prepared to sing that song again in just a moment. But before we do the normal altar call, there are two things the Lord wanted me to call for. So obey his leading by his spirit. There are those of you in here that have jumped off the potter's wheel for the reason saying that you are not qualified anymore. You said, I've messed up too much. I've done this. I've done that. I've been divorced. I did this. I did that. I stole, I cheated, I went to prison. Whatever thing you think disqualified you, you hopped off the wheel. I'm not saying you don't love Jesus. I'm not saying you're not saved. It's that you have disqualified yourself in the mind from thinking God can use you. It's category one. Second category. You're the ones that Matthew 11 was addressing. You're just so tired. You're like, Jesus, I need rest for my soul. I need rest from my mind. I need rest from my emotions. I need rest from you. I don't know how I'm going to get to tomorrow. Some so extreme that I don't know how I'm going to get to the next hour. Some of you may not be that extreme. But you're one of those two categories. Says I need rest right now, Jesus. Or I've hopped off the wheel. If you're any of those two categories and you want to get back on the wheel today or you want to receive rest today, Come forward. Any of those two categories. You've hopped off the wheel but want to get back on. Want to receive rest from your soul. Come forward. Go ahead and sing, Minister Dathan. Come here, First Lady. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to for both the sinner and the saint, the one who knows Jesus is Lord and for you who hasn't accepted him as Lord just yet. It's a great opportunity to receive rest from the God of rest, the God of love. You are the apple of his eye. You are his beloved. He cares about every single detail and that didn't change because you made a mistake. He just asks that you trust in his love for you, in the power of his love for you. Because when you make the choice to take advantage of each and every opportunity that he prevents to you without ceasing, he's able to pour out his blessing on you in a way that he's always desired to. When you're open to doing things his way, he can bless you his way. But you have to choose to say yes. If you don't, his hands are tied because you won't allow him to. 
So it doesn't matter what you've done. All it matters is what you choose to do right now. Now is your opportunity. And if you believe that God can do all of those things that he said concerning healing, concerning your finances, concerning your relationships, concerning your children, if you believe, if you have faith that God can perform his word, he will perform it. He'll show up and show out every time. But you have to be real about this thing. You have to really believe. You have to choose to say yes to him. You have to choose to do what it is that he tells you to do. You have a part to play. It doesn't require you to toil, but it does requ require you to respond. So respond today. Two hours from now, tomorrow, midweek, at the end of the week to each and every opportunity that he sends your way. Because when you do, you'll be able to live life the way he, ex he designed you to live it. A good life, a peaceful life, a prosperous life, a fruitful life. He doesn't care what you've done. He just cares what you decide to do from this moment on. Didn't come down. Some of you didn't come down. You need to right now. I'll give you one more opportunity. Don't pretend like everything's okay. Don't settle for fast food grace. Get what you need from God today. Come to Jesus. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.